I V M. Hi, I'm Utsav, a behavior researcher by training and a slow traveler by passion. Postcards from Nowhere is a travel podcast where I condense a decade of travel experiences and explore not just the where but also the why and how to travel. My stories emerge from slow traveling the less explored parts of the world: Bosnia and Herzegovina, Armenia, Uzbekistan, and even China. At the end of each story, I give practical tips and new ideas about how to travel better. This week, in the 11th episode of the series Fabulous Foods, we travel from the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York to the arid landscape of Rajasthan and discover how nature and history have shaped the cuisine of the desert state. Across the dry and arid plains of Rajasthan, there is a spectacle which occurs every February and March, which belies the landscape. The awkward-looking tree with a crooked trunk and ungainly branches sports the most unusual flowers, whose elegance has inspired poets as exalted as Rabindranath Tagore. Blood-stained parakeet-beak-shaped flowers bloom. The entire landscape gets bathed in a fiery orange color. This plant is known. as the flame of the forest more popularly known as the palash tree meanwhile if you walk into the metropolitan museum of art in new york you would find a painting of raja ram singh one the ruler of amer or present day jaipur although badly damaged the hunting scene is one of the most dramatic known examples of the genre the elephant as a combatant was a favorite subject in the court painting the painting itself is powerful The elephant and two noble riders are united as a single force, pitiless in pursuit of their prey. The prey happens to be a rhinoceros. So, what does a hunting scene in a Kota-style painting in New York have to do with the palash tree blooming all over the desert landscape? It's actually got to do something with a form of cooking, of which the royals of Rajasthan are masters. Now, imagine you were Raja Ram Singh one. After having hunted the rhinoceros, you were keen to enjoy its meat. But here you were, deep into the jungle, miles away from your palace. Vegetation is sparse and water is scarce. In fact, one look at primitive royal Rajasthani food would tell you that it was mostly rustic, using native ingredients that grew sparingly in the desert land. Your cooks, however, rise to the occasion. During hunts, they carry some ingredients along, like ghee. chilies rock salt and flour the rhinoceros meat would be marinated with these limited ingredients and slow cooked in their own juices water was too scarce to permit other methods of cooking but the rhinoceros is a huge animal how would the cooks fit that large an animal into a cooking pot and you would absolutely have to drown the meat in ghee to be able to cook it thoroughly the constraints of vegetables water and the size of the prey gave rise to a unique form of cooking pit cooking The cooks would dig a pit roughly equal in length, width and depth. The meat would be marinated with just three ingredients: red chilies, rock salt and ghee. It would then be covered with the leaves of the palash tree and then dropped into the pit on a hot bed of coals. The leaves would ensure that the coal does not burn the meat and retain the heat. More coal is added on top and the entire pit is closed. The earth traps the heat of the coals, cooking the meat thoroughly, tenderizing it over 2 to 4 hours. 
Locally, the pit is called khad, similar to the Hindi word khadda. And while pit cooking is harder to find these days, this style of jungle cooking gave rise to popular Rajasthani dishes such as lal mas and hara mas. It even gave us dishes like khad khargosh, wild rabbit stuffed with spices, wrapped in layers of dough, followed by muslin, caked in clay, and cooked in a khad. After the ban on hunting, wild animals were replaced by chickens. The royal family of Mewar has dishes like khad kokada, or chicken wrapped in palash leaves, cooked in a khad. Yet in the desert kingdom, Sindh used pit cooking with a completely different ingredient. Thanks to their access to the Indus River, they came up with vadiji machi. The fish is stuffed with muddled onions, green chilies, ginger garlic and fresh coriander, wrapped in rotis and cooked and covered in sand. Food in Mewar kingdoms was fairly different from the cuisine of Marwar. Since Mewar has more greenery, mountains and lakes, the food there also featured lake fish. This gave rise to fish dishes like machli jaisa mandi and machhi ke sule. The cuisines of Marwar and Mewar are ingenious in their way of turning constraints on their head. If you have ever traveled to Rajasthan, you may have heard of gatte ki sabzi or chickpea dumplings, dahi kadi, a yogurt-based chickpea flour gravy, besan mirchi ke tipore, or lard chilies fried in chickpea flour, besan barfi and laddu, or sweets made of chickpea flour. In its neighbor and my adopted home state of Gujarat, fafra and gathia rule the roost with many of the savory snacks, collectively known as farsan. And like you would have guessed, all of them contain besan or chickpea flour, something which can be easily stored without getting spoiled. Interestingly, chickpea itself is not native to Rajasthan. It actually comes from Afghanistan. No wonder the Hindi name for chickpea is Kabuli Chana. Or for the same reason, consider the iconic dal bati churma. Look at all the ingredients. Wheat flour, dal, ghee, semolina or suji, sugar, almond and cardamom. Every single one of these ingredients has a long shelf life. Even the vegetables used had long shelf lives. And I reckon you may not have heard of many of these. Kachri, an indigenous desert vegetable which is stir-fried by vegetarians and used as a marinade by meat eaters. Panchkuta, more popularly known as Ker Sangri, is an assortment of five plant products. But there is another aspect of Rajasthani food which has been shaped not by nature but by history. Through trade and marriage, the royals of Rajasthan had extensive relationships with the Mughals. But many were predominantly vegetarian. So while the Mughals were not averse to vegetarian food, the royals had to blend in with the Mughals. Thus began the creation of the original fake meat, vegetarian food which was textured like meat. This led to the development of recipes such as Arteki Sabzi or Chakki Saag, where the flour was washed to take the starch off and leave more of the gluten in which was then steamed to give a meaty texture. The royal chefs came up with innovations within the predominantly vegetarian cuisine and thus were born the preparations like gatte or chickpea dumplings we were discussing a little while ago. With over a decade of travel, I am continually astounded by how communities in India have turned their constraints to their advantage. It actually points to a food practice which we are increasingly losing touch with. Eating local and eating seasonally. Not only do our traditional food practices take care of it, but each region within the country has its unique practice attuned to the local produce and climate. 
in our lives even as migrants we must adapt to eating the food of our adopted homes for it would allow us to lead healthier lives if you like this podcast don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the ivm network you can listen to us on the ivm podcast app or ivmpodcast.com you can also follow us on our social media we are at ivm podcasts on twitter and instagram if you want to reach out to me i am putsav memory on twitter and yvichaver42 on instagram